0: In Southeast Agnet's Ag and Review, for the week ending September the 9th, last month, the U.S. Department of Agriculture announced they were going to purchase approximately 11 pounds of cheese from private inventories to not only assist food banks, but also help reduce a cheese surplus to help the dairy industry. And in that same announcement, they also said the deadline for dairy producers to enroll in the Margin Protection Program, or MPP, would be extended from September 30th to December 16th. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack hopes this extension will allow dairy producers the time needed to take part in MPP.
1: The extension of the Margin Protection Program sign-up, I think, is designed to really give people a a greater opportunity to take advantage of that program. Uh, We saw the largest payout uh, of that program uh, in recent history this last month when we announced $11 million of payments. And we're going to encourage folks to go online uh, at fsa.usda.gov. M-P-P-Tool, Tool And on that website, uh, they can basically do some calculations of their own specific uh, production operation to determine what level of uh, margin protection they, they should purchase or consider purchasing.
0: This voluntary dairy safety net program provides financial assistance to participating dairy producers when the margin or the difference between the price of milk and feed cost falls below the coverage level selected by the producer. Bill Sack said MPP is funded through the 2014 Farm Bill.
1: Obviously, uh, we learned a lot and have learned a lot in the last couple of years about the operation of that protection program. And I'm sure that as uh, Congress begins to revisit the 2018 Farm Bill, uh, that there's going to be an effort to try to make sure that that program is is uh, structured and uh assisted and helped and perhaps tweaked a bit uh, to make sure that there's an understanding of the difference from region to region in terms of uh, feedstock costs. It's sort of a one-size-fits-all pro- uh, program today, uh, and I think in the future it's probably going to be more tailored to a regional approach. But it, it obviously is providing some help and assistance, and when you combine that with uh, the CCC purchases, it's uh, it's an opportunity for us to help.
0: Now, that USDA web tool, which he mentioned, allows dairy producers to calculate levels of coverage available from MPP based on price projections. To see the tool, go to fsa.usda.gov slash MPP tool. Well, in other news, as the number of locally transmitted Zika cases continues to climb in Florida, some may wonder if this is an issue of concern for livestock. So that's a question I asked Dr. Diane Kitchen, Florida Department of Agriculture's and Manager of Bovine Programs.
2: To the best of our knowledge, the Zika virus itself is not a concern for livestock species. It has not caused any clinical disease to anybody's knowledge, but of course studies will be ongoing to ensure that that indeed is the case. What Zika has reminded us of in combination with the recent Hurricane Hermine is how important it is to do mosquito abatement, to control the breeding and and the population of mosquitoes in our areas, including our livestock, not just for the sake of Zika, but for other diseases that we see in livestock species, such as equine and and West Nile virus. So we do need to remember mosquito control. But at this time, Zika is not a concern for livestock species themselves.
0: And I asked Dr. Kitchen if many cases of Triple E or West Nile virus have been found this year in Florida.
2: Florida has had an increased number of equine encephalomyelitis cases this year compared to the last several years and has had two cases of West Nile. Nationally, there has been a number of States that report increased cases of West Nile or even cases of West Nile in states that have not previously had West Nile virus. So certainly that's a concern we need to remember. We need to try and keep our horses vaccinated. And again, mosquito control is an important part of what needs to occur for our livestock species.
0: The University of Georgia held their annual Cotton and Peanut Research Field Day near Tifton this past week, and while there, Tyron Spearman talked with UGA peanut breeder Dr. Bill Branch about the variety options for southeast peanut farmers.
3: We're talking with uh, Bill Branch, the uh, research geneticist here at the University of Georgia. He is doing a lot of peanut breeding work. Bill, tell us about some of the items that the farmers looked at today. Well, today we've had opportunity to see some of the different varieties, the 6G, Georgia-0 6G, the Georgia Greener, uh, 7W, 9B, which is a high-o-lake, uh, let's see, <laughs> 12Y, uh, 13M, and 14N, uh, 14N and 13M both are high lake so growers have options, both high lake and non high lake uh, Of course, 6G has been the workhorse, and there doesn't seem to be any problem with it as far as uh the industry acceptance we here in the southeast we grow a lot for peanut butter and predominantly peanut butter so peanut butter folks like 6g i think both flavor and uh, chemical composition so we seem to be on the right track as far as uh, where we're at and where we're headed down the road what do you see in coming in the future Hopefully better yields, grades, and dollar value return for all the growers, and that will translate into acceptance for the shellers and the manufacturers and the consumers. I know you want to say a word of appreciation to the peanut commission and well, farmers. Absolutely. I sure appreciate all the support that the growers have provided for all the, these many years, and hopefully our effort has benefited them to some degree. I'm sure it has. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Tyrone.
0: Kathy Isom fills us in on the fact September is National Chicken Month.
4: We know that Americans are eating chicken in record numbers these days based on a survey we told you about recently. The USDA predicting each person will eat about 92 pounds of chicken this year alone. And that couldn't be better news for consumers right now as this month is National Chicken Month. The National Chicken Council says to keep an eye out for in-store promotions and online contests, recipes, fun facts, and more. If you're into Pinterest, you can follow them there too and find feature recipes and ideas for all of your chicken meals and include specific ideas for including chicken when packing a school lunch every day the national chicken council will celebrate with a chicken a day using the social media hashtag chicken a day featuring a favorite chicken dish a stuffed animal t-shirt or something else that is chicken related you can also find more information on their website nationalchickencouncil.org i'm kathy isom southeast agnet
0: and to wrap up this week's podcast, Evergrinder talks about fish farming.
5: Well, it hasn't been built yet, but there are plans for a fish farm bigger than anything ever built before. Three miles off the coast of San Diego. It would cover some 29,000 meters. Now, I don't know how many acres that is, but it's big. Its developers say it would produce over 10 million pounds of edible seafood every year. How soon will it be in operation? Well, nobody knows. The two most formidable reasons are the uncertainty of what it will take to construct such a project and environmental opposition. Now, either of these could tie up construction of the project like this for years. You have to have unchallenged control of that much water to be successful, and there are lots of issues that may never be worked out. But in my opinion, I'd like to have one question answered. Why? And that's Ag Review for today. Evergrinder Southeast Agnet.
0: You can hear those reports and more from this past week at our website southeastagnet.com. Randall Weisman, Southeast Agnet.